are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's guest is M. Ryan. She is a national certified counselor and a member of the Irish Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy. She is the owner of Anamkara Therapy, which is located just north of Dublin. Hi, Em. How are you? Hi, Brandon. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, of course. You're actually the first guest on our show that is uh, based outside of the U.S., which is exciting. Uh, the show is, I suppose, now international. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so just to give listeners a sense of who you are and the work that you do, um, just take us through a little bit of the kinds of clients that you see on a day-to-day basis and um, the kind of work that you do with them. Yeah. So I'm a psychotherapist and counselor. So I work online now completely um, day to day with my therapy clients. And I mainly see like adults, but now I'm actually seeing more teenagers because of, you know, the COVID crisis is causing a lot of anxiety, um, you know, with these uncertain times and also Um, some depression from being kind of confined with the cabin fever that we're seeing due to restrictions. So basically work with them. Yeah. Online using um, encrypted software, usually zoom. I use the professional version and I have a um, encrypted HIPAA compliant um, platform called VC, which is telemental health um, platform um, that I have a BAA agreement on with the uh, provider, which stands for Business Associates Agreement. So it's it's completely protected um, to ensure confidentiality and um, you know GDPR and HIPAA standards. Right. Okay. So for anybody listening, um, I, I mentioned that you are currently located just north of Dublin, and um, we can hear from from your American accent that. Um, it sounds, I'm just taking a guess here, that you probably lived most of your life, or at least the early part of your life, in the U.S., and then yeah. moved over to Ireland. So can you just tell us a little bit of that story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I essentially reversed the emigration. My grandparents, <laughs> <laughs> my grandparents hailed, all of the, all four of them, hailed from County Wexford here in Ireland, so I was very curious about that and um, did some research via Ancestry.com. And about six months later, after getting all of my documents, submitted them for citizenship. And so I have an Irish passport. I'm an Irish citizen. I have dual citizenship. And I was just very intrigued, um, you know, with my uh, daughter off to university. And as they do in America, they go away, like to hold different state, which is unheard of here in Ireland. It's like, what? Your child is still not living with you? What's that about? Like, they live with people on 30. So, right. so, you know, totally different culture. So you have to be culturally aware and stuff. So, and um, 
you know, I'm fluent in French, I'm fluent in Spanish, I'm trying to become fluent in Irish ways. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's a work in progress. It is. So, you know, living the expat life now, um, migrated my, uh, I was a school counselor for many years in America. So I was working with teenagers and children almost exclusively. I had an evening moonlighting private practice called Ryan Consulting. And that was for like counseling and therapy. And then I just kind of like migrated that along with myself over to Ireland um, and just started from the ground up here and just built my private practice bit by bit. And I'm also working with a company out of Dublin, taking um, clients, online clients for turntome.ie. And that is for that. It's a wonderful charity company that offers free counseling. So that's my pro bono work. I do, um, I do charity level uh, counseling as well online. Yeah, that's that's so awesome to hear. Um, I'm actually curious to know, uh, because you do have that kind of dual exposure, you're familiar with, with, you know, the customs and, and ways in the US and also you're, you're in Ireland, um, and certified in Ireland as a counselor. So I, I was curious to know if you knew of the difference, if there is any at all between the kind of standards and um, practices of counseling in Ireland compared to, you know, that that cert- that uh, certification process in the U.S. Is there any major difference, or is it by and large the same, the same oh, standards? No, Brandon, it is major. There's some major. There's many similarities, but there are a few major differences. Um, Ireland does not currently regulate psychotherapy. The psychotherapy profession. Um, so I encountered other psychotherapists who have a bachelor's degree and then went into private practice. Um, oh, wow. so yeah. So to be a psychotherapist in America, you have to have a minimum of a master's right. degree, mm-hmm. you know, um, and pass like a six hour course. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. <laughs> you know? hour exam i'm sorry the course isn't six hours holy heck no but you know the exam (laughs) six hours of just sitting there trying to remember every bit of theory you ever learned and um yeah and you have to have about three thousand six hundred i think it might be more of supervised hours working with clients to even get your um ncc your national certified counselor and then um even a few hour, a few more courses to get your LPC, licensed professional counselor. So, you know, it's very regulated, very, you know, in the United States, whereas in Ireland, you know, they're just, um, and there's some other differences here in Ireland where they have more requirements for psychotherapists to have personal therapy. Um, they want 50 hours of personal therapy, which is an expensive add-on to hmm. the course that you're already paying for. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're saying that in Ireland, they're requiring the therapist themselves to have experience yeah. on the other end of it, receiving. Yeah, because, wow. That's yeah. that's interesting. Well, yeah. they do that in America too, but you, I think you only need about 10 hours of, of personal therapy and here it's 50. Yeah, that's a that's a huge difference. Um, yeah. That actually kind of reminds me a little bit of when I speak to coaches. Coaches say, you know, if you don't have extensive experience being on the other end of the coaching, 
you know, side of the spectrum where you're actually receiving coaching, then you have no business becoming a coach because that is quintessential to understanding the entire experience. You can't just be on one end of the aisle. You have to yes. know firsthand what it's like to receive that coaching. So, um, so in a way, I'm, I'm glad that that actually is part of the requirement, but I don't think that makes up for the fact that somebody with just a bachelor's degree can just go ahead and open up a private practice. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad that in the U.S. it's a little bit more stringent than that. So, yeah. um, they so are do you... to work on it to their credit, Brandon, they are, there's this organization called Kuru that's starting to regulate. Um, okay. yeah. So I don't know if there's like 2000 therapists in Ireland, but it's a long process, but they are starting to comb over people's, um, credentials and, but you know, has, I haven't gotten the memo yet <laughs> to say, Hey, produce your credentials, but you know, I'm ready. <laughs> right. You've got it. Okay. Um, so I wanted to discuss a topic that I feel is going to be pertinent to a lot of listeners to the show, who the majority of them would be interested in coaching specifically. And, you know, after all, the the show is The Coach's Circle and the set is Life Coach Path. So naturally, I think listeners would be interested in, in knowing your take on the difference between coaching and counseling and what you might see as the benefit or possible drawback of, of both of those approaches. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from my understanding, and again, I, I'm not the expert on life coaching. Um, I do some consulting work with um, what happens with me is say, I feel we've used all the psychotherapeutic techniques with a client. Um, usually this happens with long-term clients. Um, and then I usually say, okay, we've reviewed your progress. It looks like you're doing well. Um, you know, and I'm happy to graduate you. That's what I call it. You know, I'm happy to graduate you. How do you feel about it? And, you know, sometimes a client doesn't want to move on in that way. So at this point, I'm seeing a client either once a week. Now we're down to seeing each other every other week. Maybe we've gone every three weeks. And I'm like, well, it looks like you can do this on your own. Um, nope. I would really rather have somebody there to hold me accountable is what I often hear. So um, I say, well, look, I, you know, I don't want to be a crutch. But if you feel I can be a support in a different way and hold you accountable, then I'd be happy to continue with you, say, on a once a month basis. And that's where I say to them, because I don't feel comfortable that we're doing psychotherapeutic work where we're doing cognitive behavioral, we're doing um, mindfulness-based um, stress reduction. We're not doing techniques from any of the, the therapeutic um, theories. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. So I'm like, well, I would be happy to go over some SMART goals going forward, you know, so I'm sure life coaches know all about SMART goals. Mm -hmm. That does sound like <laughs> the realm of coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy to look at that. I'm help, happy to look at uh, maybe creating a vision board with you. I'm happy to, you know, help you um, or review your Pinterest board of goals that you have set mm -hmm. for you self in this year. So it very structured is what my understanding of coaching is very supportive. Um, but are we delving into childhood issues and how they impact us on the present? Not so much, Not so but much. we are 
focusing more in the present. Whereas I think therapy, psychotherapy looks more at, um, you know, long-term continuum, where you were, where you are now, what does the near future look like, um, how to reset thinking, how to get rid of uh, faulty beliefs and, and, and patterns from childhood that may no longer serve the adult mind. Right, right. Yeah. So this is the primary distinction that I've heard from from therapists and coaches, really, is that therapy and counseling are kind of looking backward a little bit. They're they're looking at the antecedent causes for for why those challenges or blocks, whatever you might call them, present themselves today. Whereas coaching really is starting at baseline. You know, it's you're coming into the clinic or into the practice and you have a pretty good idea of how it is that you got here. Um, it's not, you know, the system isn't broken. It's yeah. it's intact. It's just that you're looking to reach that next level. And yeah. what I find interesting, with, you know, as I speak to therapists and counselors, is that some choose to incorporate, there's kind of three camps. Some choose to incorporate coaching within their practice. So mm-hmm. that sounds like what you're saying. Um, yeah. in the in the example you just described. And then other therapists choose to keep it completely separate. So they will yeah. not they will not engage in any kind of coaching with a client that has already received psychotherapeutic uh, you know work. Yeah. And it's very intentional that way. They like to keep things separate. Um, and then there's other therapists who don't incorporate coaching at all. It's it's not that they don't believe in it, it's just that they don't um right. It's just not what they do. And so, you know, this is the interesting thing that I found with all the conversations that I've had is that it, it seems to me that I guess choosing one, if you're at the beginning stage of your career and you would like to um, mm-hmm. you would like to structure your practice in the most beneficial way to your clients, it seems to me that having the ability to to pull upon both of those tools as part yeah. of your toolbox seems like um it would bring the most benefit because you're right. I mean, there's some clients that simply, you know, are not ready for that coaching perspective. I mean, there are clients that are, you know, yeah. in legitimate need of, of psychotherapeutic work. But then once that's complete, yeah. you know, it, it'd be a shame to just kind of end it there where a lot of clients would welcome that, that, that coaching work um, on the back end. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I would even say on the front end. <laughs> on the front, yeah. Well, I, I guess it's I suppose it depends on the particular client. Um, you know, some some clients might might need that uh, to come later. But yeah, I mean, if possible, on the front end as well. Yeah. Um, so interesting, Brandon, because you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking of one client in. I have one client in mind, and this client is like. I mean, I, I admire this client. Like this client has done so much work, um, you know, in psychotherapy and then has said, no, I, I like to be held accountable. So I always think coaching is about the accountability piece, a person requesting, uh, you know, a coach to walk alongside them. Absolutely. And reach their goals. And I think also the term self-actualize, I think, at this point, this person is like, no, I feel mentally stable. I'm looking for that extra kickstart to go into, um, you know, the future and, and to get to my goals and to self-actualize. So I don't think, 
you know, people coming to coaching directly are going to, is a different type of person. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't Absolutely. have to be feeling mentally unwell. They're feeling like challenging themselves. So I think words like challenging and, and self actualization come into play with someone seeking life coaching. Absolutely. And you actually, it sounds like you somehow listened to the previous episodes of the show, even though they haven't even come out yet, because <laughs> that topic that you just brought up regarding the accountability aspect is, mm -hmm. is the other distinction. So those are the two major distinctions that I've that I have gathered from the coaches and therapists I've spoken to. Obviously, one is the backward versus forward looking. The other one is that accountability aspect. And I don't think it's a hard and fast, like black and white, you know, therapy doesn't have any accountability and coaching has all of it or coaching never looks backward and therapy never looks forward. It's not it's not 100 percent to zero percent, but it is definitely more emphasized in coaching that accountability aspect where it's like some coaches they they literally ask for daily check-ins and you know benchmarks and like okay um it's not like i i'd speak to you on sunday and then i'll talk to you again next sunday it's a very hands-on not not hand-holding but it, it's definitely very involved throughout the week where if any challenge presents itself then that is addressed pretty much same day with the coach and um you know if it's like if it's a weight loss coaching um you know arrangement then let's say that the client goes out to a wedding um the very next day and there's a buffet or whatever the case may be like those kinds of challenges might make for a very useful discussion on that day and if you wait until the next week that opportunity might be gone um Whereas in, in therapy, it doesn't seem to be as, you know, let's let's check in day to day. Let's have these checkpoints that we can cross off. So, right. And it's yeah. the rare client that I mean, I do offer that. That's like the um, kind of like my next level service that I offer, um, which is like I'll follow up a session, say, if, if needed. I only do that. That's like like how I curate my, my therapy, I guess that's how I distinguish myself, we'll say. And so, so if a client say, says, oh, no, that would be great. Could you email that to me? Yeah, absolutely. I'll email them, say, a supportive worksheet I found or even a meme that might be encouraging. You know? <laughs> wow, so, memes have made their way uh, into <laughs> modern day practices. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And you know what? Uh, you know, by contrast, I've had clients during the week then because they know I'm open to this. I'll have the occasional client who will send me a meme saying, you know, I think this applies to my my situation. <laughs> awesome. I've had clients do poetry therapy and then mm. um, they would send me a poem that that in between sessions that, you know, has come up for them. And I say, well, to be discussed at our next session, you know, but they, f they know that the, the flow can be back and forth in between sessions, not to excess. I don't usually encourage more than one to three emails between sessions, but you know, enough to know that I'm a touch point for them and that they don't have to like something really came up. They could certainly get a quick response from me. Do you know, not right. in the middle of the night. Hello, I got to sleep. So do you. <laughs> <laughs> for your own mental health that's right <laughs> absolutely boundaries boundaries yes. 
So, but yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's the thing about online therapy versus the original model, which is face-to-face therapy. You know, people know that they could quick shoot me a quick um, email, you know, right. about that. Right. So, yeah. yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we touched on that. And um, I, I wanted to make sure that I got to this because when I first checked out your website, uh, the anamkaratherapy.com site, there was one thing in particular that I wanted to make sure that we discussed. And that was your page on mindfulness in schools. And mm, I, I yeah. found that so intriguing. And I can already tell that, um, well, I made a guess, I guess, at that point that you were not based in the US because um, this is from what I have seen, at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen this too much in the US, but it sounds fascinating. So just for listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit more about this mindfulness in schools um, program that you talk about on the site? Yeah, thanks. Okay, so I actually did start it in schools. Um, I was at a charter school um, in the later years of my American career there. And um, I did offer mindfulness to students going through stressful periods. Um, so it would be after school or during their lunch. And so, and so they would come to me and we would do like a small group mindfulness where we would do, we call it mindfulness-based stress reduction, especially when there was a big test like the SAT was coming up. Here in Ireland, the equivalent of that is called the leaving cert. And it's very timely, our podcast is today, because they've gotten their SAT slash leaving cert results over here in Ireland just the other day. So we've got a lot of anxious teenagers. A lot of stress, right. Oh, yeah. I, I remember well, those days. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. What do I do? Will I get into my university of choice? Oh, my gosh, look at these scores. So, yes. Um, so we need mindfulness to not be worried so much about, you know, what if, and also to be ruminating in what was. So with mindfulness practice, you're actually more focused on this present moment, even this present you know, second, and then that is gone. So we have no control over anything other than this moment we're in right now. So to really focus on the breathing and which connects us mind-body um, to this moment. So I've used you know, a lot of research I've done with um, Jack Kornfeld, and um, John Kabat-Zinn, um, Thich Nhat Hanh, probably not saying his name right, but these are like a lot of the, the mindfulness gurus um, who have created a, an accessible version of mindfulness uh, rather than the Zen Buddhist <laughs> mm-hmm. version. Yeah, that might be a little much for, for children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little much, yes. But, you know, <laughs> kids can adapt to it, you know, and sure. I've even... Um, you know, so I've, I introduced it in the schools I was in, and I also used it for teachers going through a lot of stress, like say if they had a heavy um, course, um, a lot of classes, you know, or there were some, some challenges for them. So I would offer that after school for teachers as well. And I've even used it as an opening workshop during the summer for another school that I was at to help teachers you know, like ease into the school year by gaining control and not overly anticipating, but by going through the breathing exercises and connecting to their breath and the moment. Yeah. And that would help them rather than, you know, creating an anxious moment over something they have no control over. Right. Gosh, you know, listening to this, I wish 
that as a kid, this was part of my reality. Because when I first started this kind of topic and I said that I was guessing it was not in the U.S., I guess I should have corrected that and said none of the schools that I was a part of or and I have I have two daughters now. Um, the, I, I grew up in going through public school and they're going to private school. But in neither of those cases um, would a program like this even be possible like I don't, it, it would never even come up as a as a possibility and so I'm not sure if it's just um, a geographic thing or if it's just like a charter school versus um, you know public school thing but but yeah I mean this would have been fantastic because I remember I distinctly remember very those very stressful moments in school that you're talking about and it's it it starts from from very early age until all the way up to high school even um and it would have been nice to be able to just take a moment in every day, um, yep. not necessarily every single day for the whole year, but at least like there was a time during the year that this was made available. Um, and I, I definitely encourage anybody listening to the episode to just check out this page on on the website because I I don't Ooh. think there's enough of this, at least in the U.S. I don't know how common it is in Ireland, but... Um, yeah, yeah, just to give you something about that. I mean, that's great. You have your, your two daughters. Um, you know, teens do appreciate this very much. And it's only just getting, you know, touched upon even here. Like I have proposals um, out to schools here. And I, if people are like, hey, this is a great idea. I have teens coming to me. I also do, <laughs> hold on to your hat. I also do sound bath group meditations. So, yeah, I read that. <laughs> yeah, so I do that. I have teenagers coming. Like, they're like, my school's not providing it. So I'm going to come to your sound bath. And then they Instagram me. And I'm like, thanks for the shout out. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, uh, yeah, we need schools to take this up because the teenagers, like, I remember when I was in university, I went to um, Fordham in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. in it's not too you far know? from me. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the high, fast pace of New York City living. Um, right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would have once a week around exam time, people would just open up their windows of their dorm rooms and scream at 10 o'clock at night. Just and to let it out. Just to let it out, and we would call it primal scream. So maybe this sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scream. Yeah, and there's priests living on campus, and they were probably like, "What is wrong with this?" <laughs> yeah. It was a way. It was a release. So I feel that teenagers today, I mean, look at the pandemic we're living in, are even more jacked up with anxious feelings and feeling disconnected from their bodies. And, you know, we're all about technology, but that takes us out of our own um, present moment as well, you know? So shutting off this phone for an hour and just resting in sounds that I play um, with a gong or a drum or some chimes or Tibetan singing bowls and really just focusing on the sounds as they go through your body that create these vibrational waves that deeply relax until you're just like in a whole nother space. We call that non-ordinary reality. And that's a really great place to be because yeah. your breathing is, is automatic and deep and, and you're restoring your cells. You're, you're giving your cells a chance to heal. 
So right. yeah, I offer sound baths. I'm trying to get that sold to schools right now. Like, come on, bring me in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm sold on it personally. I don't have a school, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. And I think most Americans would say, if you told them of this idea, or even just of mindfulness in general, I think most mm -hmm. Americans would say that they don't even have time for that. And I would say that is exactly the problem, is that yeah. we don't have time to just do what most Americans would call doing nothing. Just, you know, just yeah. being in, like you just said, in the present moment, nothing else going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a big problem. And I think it is one of the reasons for a lot of the mental health issues. Um, not all, of course, not all, or even a majority, but it could definitely help to... Right to, you know, um, reduce the, the incidence of a lot of mental health conditions in, in the United States and worldwide. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really active. glad. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, you could be active with mindfulness. It's not a sitting down practice necessarily. Um, you know, they will talk about mindful walking, mm -hmm. mindful speech. And in my demo that I do when I do present to schools, um, we eat mindfully. So we'll eat a raisin and we'll feel the texture. We'll mm. use our five senses to feel the texture of the raisin on our tongue, the taste, the scent before we put it in our mouth, you know, stuff like that to really be in the moment and not be thinking of our laundry list of things to do outside of that moment. You know, I got to get the car washed. I got to, you know, pick my kids up from school. No, you're there with the raisin. You're feeling it. You're hearing it. You're seeing it. You're tasting it. So, you know, connecting with all those senses. Another technique for mindfulness is walking through doorways as connecting you to the moment. So every time you pass through a doorway in your house or your workplace, become aware of that. Okay, I'm here. I'm passing through the doorway. Wait, I, my thoughts were just tumbling forward to the next meeting I've got. No, no, I need to be right here right now. What do I see around me? What do I hear around me? What do I feel? I feel the floor under my feet. I see the, the row of file cabinets in front of me. Okay. So using doorways to connect to the present moment. Mm -hmm. You can wash your dishes mindfully. Just wash every dish slowly, purposefully, and with intention. Yeah, you know, this active mindfulness might be a nice uh, gateway, a nice introduction to people who might feel like they really don't have time to sit and be mindful. Um, if they can continue their everyday activities, but just be... Okay trying to focus on the present what they're presently doing instead of like you just said um thinking forward all the time then i think that would go a long way to alleviate a lot of issues so mm -hmm. um yeah so i i think i think it's great i hope more schools pick it up and um it's not too late for my daughter's schools i hope i hope eventually <laughs> it becomes a thing over here <laughs> It can. In fact, you mentioned public schools. And in fact, I did do a presentation at a public school for teachers. So it was picked up by one. Wow. Public okay. School. Yeah. In the U.S. So that was great. Mm -hmm. Wow. Lucky kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all righty. You know, this was this was all really great. Em. I'm really glad that um, we got a chance to talk. And I want to give listeners a chance to not only read about the mindfulness that we just talked about or um, your counseling work that we spoke about earlier, but everything you're doing. So um, why don't you go ahead and, and tell everybody where they can find you um, and find out more about the work you're doing today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me at www.anamkaratherapy.com and that's spelled A-N-A-M-C-A-R-A therapy.com. Or you could find me online, therapist.ie, i.e. is for Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and you could always email me, you know. So that's um, anamkaratherapy at protonmail.com. Perfect. All right, Em. This was fantastic. I'm, I'm really glad you came onto the show. And Thanks. I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Oh, I appreciate it. Best of luck with life coaching going forward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.